special, a very special guest, someone I'm a big fan of, and um, Trevor Whitman, coach of Rose Nama Eunice, uh, recently signed UFC lightweight Justin Gaethje. Gaethje, I'm sorry, I say his name wrong. And uh, Nate Nate Marquardt, who should be fighting Vitor coming up pretty soon too, as well. Yeah, correct. Thank you for having me. First off, I appreciate it. Hey, no, thank you very much for doing the show. Um, we'll just get into it right away. Like with the most recent fight we had coming in, um, you had a uh, Rose Namajunas facing Michelle Watterson. Now, from the outside looking in, a lot of people had Michelle kind of as the favorite in that fight. And I, I respect Michelle. She's a very good fighter. I've watched her for years. She's a very good striker. She's she's a uh, savvy on the ground. She's a uh, she's one she's one of the better athletes who's competed in women women's mixed martial arts. But to me, a lot of my concern was that she hadn't. Like, at least in the time of the UFC, she hadn't really faced a certain caliber, a fighter. Like, you know, Angela Magana is a is kind of a, she's an experienced fighter, but she's not what you would call elite. And then facing Paige Van Zandt, Van Zandt is once again a talented fighter and a person with some experience, but she's not one of the people you would consider the more technical or maybe always strategically sound fighters. And I didn't think that those fights had prepared her for someone of um, Rose's caliber. So, I mean, like, in, and I know that you, you probably know a lot of the coaching staff. You, you probably know Michelle. That had to be a factor when you're, when, you're, when you're preparing Rose for the fight, that Rose's face is a better caliber of opponent and had been more act, but much more active than Watterson had been coming into that. Yeah, you know, I, I had a chance to work with Michelle a long time ago. Uh, she used to live out here in Colorado, and uh, she's a great girl, and uh, – it's always hard competing against uh, your friends, but uh, going into the fight, I mean, it's just, it's always about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the fighter that I'm working, working with. So, you know, I was all focused on Rose and, you know, your opponent can come out with different game plans all the time. So we set up basic game plans, but one thing I don't like to do is go to plan B, plan C in a fight because that's instantly, you know, throwing uh you know, that snowball fed the wrong way. So what we do is we plant seeds and, uh, you know, it's all about fundamentals. You know, the key is fundamentals, and we focus on fundamentals all the time. And when it comes to Rose, she's very young uh, in the game. And when it comes to the mental state, you know, women fight differently than men. They fight with attitude. You know, they, uh, uh, they're not as conservative as guys. And uh, Rose is one of those girls that fights with attitude. And if she can control her mindset, that's the key to being champion. And uh, that night she was on, the whole week she was on. It was something new that I haven't seen for a long period of time where she was, you know, she cries a lot uh, leading up to the fight, but this one she was controlling that. And uh, we had a conversation. Pat had mentioned to me, you know, she continued to have those thoughts and the, the negative thoughts popping up in her head. But it's, uh, it's kind of like if you have a, a family member or a friend when you're going into a fight and your family member's telling you, you look out of shape and, you know, why are you doing this? What are you going to do? You're going to cut them off until after the fight. So if you're having those thoughts mentally, you got to know how to shut those down and, uh, you know, not conversate with them. So you got to counter those thoughts. And she did very good with that. So the key to this fight was the mental aspect. Yeah, um, it's funny you said that. Right before she had the fight, like I, I had done an article. I wrote an article about it. In the main, and I kind of took it back to the Ultimate Fighter finale when she fought Carla Esparza because I actually picked her to beat Esparza. I felt she was the better athlete, a little bit bigger, more dynamic, and had a kind of a, a wider array of offensive skills. It would be able to kind of, I know Carla likes to control the pace and dictate where the fight takes place and kind of break you down. I felt that Rose's athleticism and aggression could kind of put her on her heels and get her out there. But it seemed like Rose was a little unsteady 
a kind of little bit unsure of what to do. And Carla was able to kind of pressure her and eventually break her down for that win. And then it seemed like after that, a switch kind of flipped in, in Rose because when you started seeing her fight, instead of the dynamic, you know, the flying arm bar, the spinning kick, the switch kick, solid stance, come in behind the jab, alternating between the full steps, the quarter, the half steps, really being more deliberate with her aggression, more methodical in her approach. And um, it's very, I mean, it's very hard to rein people in. We were talking about that earlier before we got on the show. It's very hard to rein people in. And with somebody who has as much talent as Rose has, and Rose is probably one of the better athletes in women's MMA, much less the division. How did you, how do you rein that in? Because she can do so much. She can grapple, she can fight you and scramble. She can do the spinning kicks, the flying knees, the flying punches, the flying arm bars, and she can do the fundamental stuff. How did you, how do you bring her back home to make her stick with the fundamentals when she knows she can just do whatever she wants? In, in 90% of the cases. Well, first off, uh, that fight with Carla Esparza, that was 100% my fault as a coach. Uh, we went into that fight, you know, she, she was on the show and she, she wasn't with her, her main coaches and she was performing. She was performing in two round fights. And, uh, you know, the key is, is we allowed her to go out there and really be her in her sense that she knew who she was. She went out there and threw something like, like 20 kicks in two rounds. Uh, and me as a coach, for me, allowing that to happen and then go in there with all the, you know, it's very easy in the sport to get caught up with the hype. And, you know, it's, uh, again, for me to allow her, I mean, we didn't talk about a five-rounder that much. Uh, you know, she went out there and she, she pushed the pace way too, too hard. You know, she hit that red line. And, again, for me to allow that and not to drop those seats prior to that fight was the key. So what we had to do is we had to go back and completely start over. Uh, the next training camp that we dealt with was uh, nothing but jabs. I remember her calling me when I was out at uh, Justin Gaethje's fight. She called me and we talked for about 45 minutes. She was talking about how her shoulder was feeling like she tore something, like there's this burning sensation in her shoulder. And she said, she, why are we throwing so many jabs? And I told her, you know, the foundation is key. You know, no one's going to see. Uh, uh, you're you're going to look back on this and you're subconsciously going to be throwing jabs without even thinking about it. And uh, we need to build that base on, because the jab is the key to understanding range. And if she can control range, then she's going to be dominant in this weight class. And, uh, you know, there's it, just going through that fundamental stage is the key. And it's so funny when we watch tapes now after she gets done fighting and we go back and look and she's like, I don't even remember jabbing that much. And again, that foundation is key. You don't see that. It's underneath the ground. Most people just see the, the buildings that you're building and all the levels that are being put on top. And I call that the flash. The flash is, is the things that, you know, you know, people like to see. But she'll do that naturally. She's got a very natural intent. She's a finisher. So when she finds the opportunity, that flash will come out of, out of nature. But for me, it's always about the fundamental and positioning. Positioning is key. Yeah. On, on that one point, because I'm obviously a never fought, never amateur pro. I've actually, I sparred a lot. I've trained a while. I've got to spar a lot of pros. Been to a lot of MMA schools across Texas. A little bit. Of can you hear me, Sean? Yeah, I can hear you now. You got me now? Okay, great. Sorry about that, guys. No problem. So, uh, like I was saying, like, I've been to a couple of schools all over. And the thing about it is, and you come from a boxing background. And I'm from San Antonio, Texas. And Texas is big on boxing. Like, everybody can jab off the hook around here. Like, everybody's got hands. Nice. So, uh, my, my whole thing with, with you, the thing is, I notice is Rose has a, like, Ro Rose works that jab and she works the footwork. And I wanted to kind of talk about how a lot of people in mixed martial arts as a whole, especially women's MMA, where I think the, the striking's a little bit behind, they don't really work the boxing. Like, a lot of people will box in the MMA gym 
but they won't go to an actual gym or work with a, a boxing specific coach. So there's like, they have the general idea, right? But those little subtleties aren't there, you know, like dropping the shoulder to fake the jab to draw so you can set up the right hand or even doubling up off the jab. You know, there's been a lot of times I've gone to gyms and, you know, it's like you throw a double jab and people are like, well, what are you doing? Or you throw a jab to the body and people are like, yeah, I kept trying to get to you, but I couldn't quite get my footwork going. And it's like, cause I kept jabbing you to the body. And they're like, that's funny. I've never seen that before. And I'm like, aren't you getting ready to make like your amateur debut? You're like four fights in as an amateur. Shouldn't you have seen a body jab before? Or the, the concept of jabbing to the chest to disrupt somebody, like you can't get to their face, you jab to their chest. That way you can push them back and eventually set up those headshots. Or you can just drop even lower and go to the body. But a lot of, you don't see a lot of that variation in people because they focus on the kickboxing, the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu. What do you think about, like, why do you feel that boxing hasn't gotten its due respect within the context of striking in MMA? Well, I think you can see a lot of the, I mean, the footwork growth in MMA has really changed. Uh, you can you can definitely see that process uh, from the boxing world. But uh, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it was me back in the day when I first got into MMA, I was the same thing. You know, in boxing, you're in a closer range. So you're in tight, head-to-head uh, -head a lot of times. And uh, the combinations are a lot differently when it comes to boxing just because of that range. Uh, uh, so a lot of times when you work with a boxing coach, you're going to throw lots of combinations where that's not going to be, you know, that type of stuff is, isn't going to work at a high level in, in MMA because you naturally fall into a clinch. So dirty boxing works very, very good, but also the outside and controlling range. It's, that's the key. Uh, in MMA and kickboxing, it's a different range, so you'll see that jumping in. So there's a lot of jumping in, so it's, you know, one or two power shots at a time. You know, the little guys, you'll see a lot more combinations, stuff like that. But again, that natural clinch, people fall in and they reach in the, and, and, and they're into that clinch. So I really feel like that's why you'll see a lot of great boxing coaches that won't succeed in MMA because, you know, you got to understand that you can't be front front heavy on that front leg because low kicks. Uh, there's there's lots of just different things. But again, I'm, I'm very fundamental. I stick to the fundamentals. We will work on flash here and there just to keep it fresh and uh, keep the fire in the fighters. But uh, again, the fundamentals are the key. It's, it's like jujitsu. You hear it all the time. Uh, you know, position. Position is key. You always have to get position before submission. So it's very, very much the same thing when it comes to striking. Striking is about position. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, the sweet science, how to hit and not be hit. You know, and that's one thing I take pride in is uh, uh, a lot of my guys just don't take damage, you know. And it's always about how long you can ride that money train. Well, when like, you talk about technique, what is the most important technique that you think is undervalued in MMA now? When you look at it from a boxing standpoint, what's that one technique that you think people should be working on the most more often, but they're really not? Uh, I would say balance. Balance is key. Balance is key in every, every aspect of life, you know. It's... Uh, when it comes to when, I, when I'm talking about balance, it's just not footwork balance. Foot, well, footwork balance and having balance when you're when you're competing as an athlete and physically, it's it's the number one thing. But it's also mental. You have to be mentally balanced, and those outside influences and things like that, distractions, are only going to plant seeds and put weights in your in your backpack to to put weight on the shoulders. So, you know, I'd say balance is a key word. Uh, also, uh, a very important point is is understanding yourself, being able to look at yourself in the mirror. Uh, so many people focus on what's in front of them, and that I call them distractions. An opponent is a distraction. They're, they're, to, to me, it's just an opponent. Opponent can change at any moment. A week out from your fight, your opponent can change. They can go from southpaw to right-handed, and you're expecting them to be southpaw. Again, focus on what you do great. I see so many guys that go out there and they game plan for the guy that's in front of them. And, you know, let's, let's say we're facing a wrestler, so we work on wrestling to, to go face this guy, but you're not going to learn wrestling overnight. 
the key is being able to build that foundation that's strong that's going to help you in a world championship fight. And then also do you to the fullest. So if you have something happen in a fight, you're able to gauge from that fight that's going to help you in a championship fight. If I go out there and I'm worried about someone wrestling, so I'm working on my wrestling, and I go out there and lose to a wrestling match, I didn't learn nothing. You know, I didn't better myself. I lost to a better wrestler. So it's very, very important to, to hone in on what you do. And that's philosophy, too. I mean, everybody fights differently. You look at a guy like Justin Gaethje, who is, you know, knows the nose of people. He brings people's heart rates up. So he's got, I've got to be able to train him to, to be the best Justin Gaethje, vice versa, working with Rose. i got to make her be the best Rose. Rose is a technical girl, a girl who will sit on the outside and, and just use her athleticism. And her, her you know, she, she's a girl who, who can just look so precise when she's throwing things. And, you know, it's, again, how do you adapt to that? But I'd say the key, key to that is balance. Well, on that, on that note, a lot of times I know a lot of people do focus on the specific opponent they're facing. And um, being what, being that I, I do a lot of work on the side with guys, I'm kind of, I'm kind of conflicted in that because I'm always saying you should figure out what you know how to do and you stay true to that. But at the same instance, there has to be some adjustment made for the specific, the specific opponent you're facing. I mean, there have to be certain triggers. So, so, that, so for me, let me jump into that real quick. And uh, yeah. uh, that's that's up to the coach. And my philosophy when it comes up to game planning, I game plan for every fight and I plant seeds. Now the key is planting seeds where I'm not going to put a picture. You know, if, let's say we're facing, you know, uh, uh, Dan Henderson, H-bomb. I'm not going to sit there and tell my fighter over and over, well, Dan's got a great overhand and a great right uppercut, so we don't want to do this because all I'm doing is putting a vision of how good that uppercut is, how good that overhand is. So you start to put, plant fear and doubt into an athlete's mind. What you've got to do is know how to plant seeds, how to shut those downs without telling them this is what's going to happen. You know, and again, every athlete's different. Some people like to watch fights, but again, I want to plant seeds that's going to help them shut down everybody's overhand. I want to shut uh, uh, plant seeds that's going to help them with everybody's uppercut. Because, again, last week, there's nothing worse than being in that last week and someone gets sick and they change the opponent on you, and all of a sudden you're facing something different. That's a, that's a big stick in the wheel, and that's a huge disadvantage. So, again, fighting at a high level is the number one opponent is yourself. And if you can always face yourself with that confidence and, and, and don't carry it down to yourself, that's the key to being the best in the world. You've always got to face yourself, look yourself in the mirror, and again, be honest and know how to audit your thoughts and, and, and know that you're giving everything you can in training. And again, you're training to be the best in the world. The, 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 anybody who loses fights, I'll say 99% of the time, knows when they're going to lose. It's because they start getting those, those little weaknesses in their head. They, they allow themselves to lose. And you, when you lose to the better person and they just dominated you and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go work on things. That's one of the best lessons in life. That's where you gain. But... If you're out there and you're hesitating and you're like, man, I wasn't pulling the trigger. Why? Because I was afraid of that overhand. And again, that's that you don't learn there. All you do is just criticize yourself. Like, why was I making those decisions? Well, how, how do you how do you balance that out? Because there's so many times fighters I've dealt with, fighters I see from a distance, when they lose a fight, you don't hear that that accountability. Like, like when you we were talking about the the loss to Asparza, you were like, that was on me. But a lot of times when you hear a coach a fighter lose the coach either piles on the fighter or the fighter starts pointing fingers like you know well this happened and that happened and it's like it's not a matter of well i i didn't work on my footwork enough i i haven't been developing my all-around skills during my downtime because i believe when you get ready for a fight that's when you kind of start streamlining things 
But the times when you, you don't have a fight on schedule, that's when you're supposed to be working on all the other skills and rounding yourself out and improving yourself. But very rarely do you hear a fighter say, that was on me. And very rarely do you hear a coach say, that was on me. It's always kind of these maybe side distractions or other th things they they put into the mix instead of just saying that maybe I wasn't good enough or I wasn't prepared well enough or I didn't coach them well enough or I didn't prepare them well enough. Well, that's the key. I mean, if you can't admit to what's going on, again, the mental flags that you have in competition, if you're not, if, if you don't, if you don't assess those and you don't audit those thoughts, how can you adapt to those thoughts? And again, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, Dan Gable used to say when he used to run, he used to try to break himself. You know, it's, it's how strong are you mentally? Mentally, it, it, it's a strength, man. If you're continuing to learn, experience is the best learning, uh, the, the best tool that you can have in your game. The more experience that you have can either hurt you or benefit you. You'll see guys who, who go on with their careers for a long period of time and their experience just helps them and helps them and helps them. Or their experience hurts them because all the experiences they have is just more bullet points to go, oh man, that sucked. And oh man, remember when I was here? And oh, they, they, how are you looking at it? And again, it's gotta be beneficial and you gotta look at it. everything as a learning lesson. It's that equal seat of opportunity or the equal seat of, uh, uh, of uh, 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 default. And what I mean by that is almost every time I see a fighter go out there and finish a fight in the first 30 seconds or a minute of a fight, it's funny because I always say, hey, watch the next fight. It's going to be one of his toughest fights to go out there. And a lot of times it's true just because they, they look at that hand, they're polishing that right hand, and they go, oh, man, look at this thing. And they're, they're like, I trained so hard, didn't even need it. So they start to get weak. And they get weak mentally because they get relaxed. And then you'll see the people that have the toughest fights, they go out there and they have a, a great performance because they were humbled by it. So it's how do you balance that and not have your peaks and your valleys? Every time you win a fight, you have to go assess that fight the same way you would as if you lost. And same thing, if you lose, you have to assess it the same way as if you won. The whole thing is you're trying to get to that destination. And you've got to, each, each part of this destination is just a bullet point and a little, a little a step to that getting to the top of the stairs. And you got to look at it like that. Anytime you hit a detour, you got to be okay with going, okay, we just got to go off the road. It's going to take us a little bit longer, but we're still going to get there. And that's the key. Don't put too much emotion about that, 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 that telling moment because the, the, a lot of people call them failures, but if you're learning from that failure, that's where you gain the most. But if you're humbled by, by when you go out there and perform so great and you say, hey, I'm doing everything right, I got to keep it consistent and don't slack, you have to assess that all the time. That consistency and balance so let, let's let's stay down that path because it's, it's, it's interesting because I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine who um, competes uh, in on a pretty high level when it comes to jujitsu and she recently lost a match. She was struggling with the idea of how you get over the 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 that mental hurdle, you know, where you've put so many hard weeks in, in the training, you know, cut so much weight, and then you get out there and you make a mistake and, and you lose. What are some things that athletes can really do to kind of, I don't want to say get used to that feeling, but help themselves over it when, it, when they compete in a sport where losing happens and happens very frequently? I would say it's, it's got to come from consistency in your daily life. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is, is don't allow drifting to happen. When you drift is where you allow thoughts to come into your mind. It's almost like turning on a radio channel and you can't turn it. You just listen. You've got to be able to counter thoughts all the time. And your thoughts always got to go to your purpose. What is your purpose in life and what are you chasing? So you have to adapt every, every thought that comes in, audit every thought. And then it, is that going to benefit you to where you're going? 
that is so important. So many people nowadays with the, the electronics and just getting stuck on electronics or what's going on, it, it's you're, you're you're following a a you know a, a, you can your your feelings and your and your vibe can change by seeing something that upsets you or it makes you angry or all sorts of things. The the, the key is taking one hundred percent control of yourself. And making sure that everything in your daily life is, is getting you to what that target is. Again, the internal. So many people go into practice and you can work as hard as you want, but if it's ineffective work and you're making bad decisions in the moment, it's, it doesn't matter how hard you work, it's never gonna help you. The key is creating habits, repetition, repetition, the mental strength of never being uh, uh, set down. I had watched a Ugandan fighter back in the day. I, I forget his name, but I remember I used to just study fights all the time when I was boxing. And uh, I seen this Ugandan guy who was probably 35 and 0 and he's fighting at just a gatekeeper and just a journeyman. And uh, he, uh, uh, that guy was probably, I'd say 15 and five. And uh, Ugandan was dominating the fight in the seventh round. He got, he got dropped and uh, hurt his ankle as he went down and they put him in this like little, you know, uh, uh, air, uh, ankle bracelet it looked like and they picked him up and they interviewed him also after the fight and they asked him they said how did it feel to get knocked down in your first your first time in your career to get knocked down and he was like i know i know get knocked down and i laughed at it and i kept showing my friends i'm like look he's so out of it that he doesn't even know and after about a year of showing my friends even the commentators were like look it's up on the tape look at you got knocked down he's like i know i don't i don't get knocked down they're like look at your ankle it's taped on, it's, it's got that cat that that the air cast on it, you got knocked down. He goes, I, I don't get knocked down. The key is you don't get knocked down if you get up and you're always adapting to that situation. Again, equal seat of opportunity. What are you benefiting from every moment? And there's never, there. you should never go backwards. We just keep moving. And when you keep moving with that mental strength, you can't get beat. Now, Trevor, that's that's a really interesting perspective. And and. I, get, I think a lot of people will be shocked because we, we've had coaches on the show and everybody's been very cerebral. Marcus Davis, Stephen Wright, they've all been very, like talked about the mental and the conceptual and the emotional aspect of being a coach. There's on multiple levels, you, you get the best out of them. But I have, another, I have an actual question from a different perspective because a lot of people who are MMA fans aren't into combat sports. So they apply, they look at everything through a traditional sports lens. So I'm gonna ask you this question. You have a specific approach. You have a, a specific style, a way you kind of teach, a way you like to build guys. Are there certain people who don't fit into your your curriculum? Like you know, on a certain team, a Bill Belichick team, you have to have a certain you have to have a certain kind of player. A Greg Popovich basketball team, you have to be a, a spur a spur at heart. You to be on a team with LeBron James, you have to be a certain kind of player, have a certain amount of humility. Do you feel that there are certain temperaments of fighters who maybe? wouldn't fit in with what you're doing or maybe might resist it doing due to ego or maybe they have a different goal in mind as far as becoming the best fighter maybe they just want to be famous do you feel that kind of thing well, not 100 percent. you know the, the one thing is, is you said it clearly ego ego when you're doing it for others it's never going to work this is the hardest sport in the world to ever go out there and face if you're doing it for others mike tyson was one of the biggest falls i've ever seen it was so sad to see i'm telling you he's He's one of my favorite people to watch right now because he's making fun of himself. He's making jokes. He's he's got such a strong self-image again. When he had custom model with him who loved him and showed him love and showed him the the the, the, the inner strength, he used to knock people out, pick them up, and kiss them on the forehead. When he lost that, he started fighting for others. You heard about how big his his dad uh, his 
taxi cab and limo service bill was, all the phones he had, that, that he had bought for his friends who continued to, continue to use them. When you fight for others, this is the worst sport to be in because when you're on top, everybody wants to know you. Everybody says they know you. Everybody gives you free meals. When you lose one fight, no one knows you. No one looks, looks at you the same. So this is the wrong thing to be doing if you're doing it for others. The key is yourself. You have to do it for yourself. And this is in all levels of sports. Every sport at the highest level from Olympics to, to any sport out there, these guys are the, the, the best mental, mental strength guys. This is the same thing in business. The highest level in business people, those are, these are the guys that think the same way. You have to have purpose in life and you have to have direction and a target to where you're going. I had a team of 40 athletes there for a while. Uh, I sold my gym back in November so I could focus on my equipment company. And I'm coaching four athletes at the moment and uh, I don't want to go over five just so I can choose who I want to work with. Because I, the, I've hit every goal that I wanted to as an MMA coach, so I'm not chasing goals. As a coach, what I'm doing is I'm helping people chase their goals because that's what I do naturally. And I only want to work with elite uh, people and people who have purpose. Because if you don't have purpose in life, you're, 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 life is living you. You must have something to chase. It's what we do. Well, that's what that's that's an interesting thing because a lot of fighters and coming from boxing, you know this happens. A boxing coach will maybe have one fighter win an Olympic gold medal, or they'll take a fighter who who is underrated and take him to maybe a title shot. And all of a sudden, you start seeing people. Everybody wants to sign with the guy, Virgil Hunter. After what he did with Andre Ward, six, seven guys want to come to him. Freddie Roach, everybody seems to have taken a chance with Freddie Roach because of the work he did with Pacquiao. So how do you, I mean, like, do you feel like you're just unable to be effective with a large group of people? Or is it just a matter of like... No, it's not, it's, I would say it's a law of averages. When you're working with a big team, you're going to, you you know, you my, my job when you work with a big team is you're putting out fires and you're starting fires. I mean, you have to make the team beneficial for the people who... Who are 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 performing in the next week or two, so it's 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 a nonstop battle. And again, it was fun and great as I was doing it. Like I had a blast. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. I loved everybody on the team and everybody's purpose. You know, who has purposes? Some are different. Some people just want to be entertaining fighters and just put on great fights. And you know, it's funny. If you have purpose, you'll find yourself really doing it naturally. It's just what you think about is what you dream about. But I mean. I, I've, I've done it for so long. I've been coaching since 96. I've had 17 world titles. I've hit a world title in boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, uh, heavyweight. I mean, I, every goal that I set, I, I was able to get there. So it's, uh, you know, I'm challenging myself with business, and I'm also working on leveraging, you know, uh, uh, new tools to, to helping a white spot that I see in the sport where, you know, you have such high level and one of the fastest growing sports in the world, but the, the, the technology when it comes to equipment is not – not you know staying up to the the protocol of what's going on with fighters the amount of fighters that are injured in training and what i've dealt with and how many fighters go into fights injured because they don't get paid unless they're fighting is, is a huge uh uh issue in this sport and that's something i'm chasing because again i i love all fighters man fighters inspire me people who go out there and challenge yourself is 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 inspiring to me and i'm a fan first man i coach naturally and it's what i do i'm a giver but there's nothing better than sitting back front row and watching Two guys go out there and give it their all and, 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 and face their fears, man. It's great. Well, on the topic, oh, wait, before, one more thing, Raphael. Um, on the topic of improving the sport, I had this conversation with, when we had Marcus Davis on the show. And in boxing, or at least originally in boxing, you used to have guys get brought up under trainers to kind of do some mentorship and develop their awareness, how to read fighters, how to coach fighters, how to interact with them. 
and MMA is a much, and they don't really do that that much in boxing anymore. And MMA is super young sport. And it seems like nowadays guys don't, they don't, they don't lean on other coaches for information or guidance. It seems like everybody has their own system and wants to do it their own way, which is fine for you because you're the coach, but there's fighters who are having years taken off their career or getting injured or hurt because you don't know the appropriate, the appropriate structure. You don't have the structure or the direction or the seasoning to help direct them in the way that maximizes their skills and minimizes their risk. What, what do you think about the idea of mentorship in coaching and in mixed martial arts? Because I think mentor, that's an mentor, that's mentorship is key in everything that you do. You can't, you can't let you. So you, you need to know who you're being educated by. That's key. Mentors are everything in life. If you're out there and you're working with coaches who aren't benefiting, you know, other fighters, how are they going to benefit you? You need to see consistency in what's going on and, and, and uh, you know, environment. We adapt to our environment. No one can say that, hey, man, I'm a vegan and I don't eat meat. And if they get put out into the woods and there's nowhere to go buy food, and you're going to learn to hunt and you're going to learn to kill and you're going to learn to eat meat. All right. If you say you hate meat, people that honk horns, you go live in New York, guarantee you're going to start honking horns. It's just what it is. It's uh, so you may, if you, if you want to be the best in the world, you have to put yourself around greatness. That's why super gyms work so well because other fighters see other fighters winning championships, so their belief goes up there. They're like, oh man, I can do this too. Uh, it is very important as a coach and as an athlete to put yourself around what you want to be and never stop learning. It, you, once you once you stop learning, you flatline. Why do you think so many people when they retire? In, in, in businesses or at life where they retire, they, they have an average of two years of living because they got nothing to chase. So I am always learning and I'm always watching other people and critiquing it. Man, I like what he does. Oh, I'll never do it that way. And again, it's through education and you, you don't know until you put your own experience into it to see how it's working. But again, it's nonstop in your head, learning, educating yourself and trying and testing things like a scientist. You have to, again, I, I talk about the drifting. Drifting is so easy for people to do well else can they get lost in, in, in this, this conversation in their head that means nothing. Again, it's criticism, it's judgment, it's all sorts of things that's going on because of what, what shows they're watching or what are they seeing on the internet. It's again, you have to spend, you have to obsess what you're chasing. If you have purpose in life and I'm trying to be the best coach in the world, I gotta study every coach out there. And I've gotta learn from every coach. And, 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 and audit what I'm taking in. Yes, I like what he does. I don't like what he does. Again, it's, it's again, what are you chasing? What's the vision you're seeing? And things will fit. If you see a vision in your head, it's going to fit to what you're chasing. But the people who think that they know it won't go forward. So that, you're, actually, you're actually talking about a lot, of, a lot of things that I believe is continuing to hinder MMA from getting to that next level in comparison to other mainstream sports such as you know basketball, hockey and baseball. So when you look out at major teams today, in your opinion, what teams help athletes get to that mental what what are the best teams that help athletes get to the, that mental point that you're speaking of today? When you look around at some of your peers and some of your colleagues who are still running major gyms, who do you think is the best at helping them get to that next point mentally to not only fight well but become a, a star in, in the sport at the same time it's uh it's it's the teams and coaches that have purpose i mean they stand out strong it's the people who who love their athletes and you know i always call my athletes like my children you have to care about them but you also have to give them tough love you have to hold them accountable you have to there's so many things that go into it and uh you know i mean you could you could you look around to see who are the great teams out there i mean it's a, it's a very very easy to see i mean the consistency it all comes from consistency 
Very true. But you can also see times where where people will slack a little bit, and it's uh, I mean that happens daily. I mean I have to check myself all the time. There's so many times where I'm like, man, like the Rose fight with with uh, Carla. I mean that was a key point in my life. I mean I was I've been coaching for so long that it gets stale at points, and uh, that was a stale point of my of my career. And that that was a time where I was like, you know what, I'm coaching too many people. I did an interview. Someone had asked me about the opponent we were facing. And I was thinking that opponent was facing another one of my 55ers. And it, 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 you know, I pretty much had to slap myself internally and say, well, man, you've got so many guys, I was wearing too many hats. And, you know, again, when, when I'm able to step back and coach, you know, four or five people, I'm not doing this for, for stardom and, and, and for me. This has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the, the, the people who I'm helping to and wanting to do. And, again, uh, I'm a giver, man, so I love to see people and, and, and become who they want to be so it's uh, uh it's it's a non-stop battle and every every team out there you're always going to see the downfalls but again it's the great teams that will adapt and recover and become great again and uh you know you can never stay consistent on a daily process and again you can't learn without failure do you think that um and and this is a little bit about justin um i know he's He's being brought into the UFC, and I, I know, as you stated earlier, you like to focus on your fighter and what they're developing and kind of how they're growing in the direction they're moving in. But in different organizations, there's different tiers of athletes, different tiers of fighters and their skill set. When you have a fighter make a jump from maybe a, an organization that doesn't have as much depth or as much top in, or top to bottom talent, do you ever have any concern about maybe preparing your guy, being like, I know we're focused on you, but you're going to be facing, maybe you're still facing other fighters and you're used to fighting fighters, but you're going to be facing a better caliber fighter because, you know, it's like if you're in a basketball team, you don't, you don't play the, you don't play Bucks the same way you play the Cleveland Cavaliers because it's just a different caliber. And if you played them the same way, repercussions for that. So it's like when you go from a smaller organization to a bigger one, like, does that affect anything? Do you pull your guy aside and kind of reassure him or tell him he needs to really be focused or, or anything? You know, it's, it's one of those things that's, a, that, that's again, it's a consistency. You know, it's a, the, don't fear uh, the outcome. You know, it's a, a be okay with it. You know, Gaethje is one of the strongest mental persons that I've ever worked with. I've worked with very high-level guys, and he, he's got this. I've never had to work on mental strength with Gaethje. Gaethje has it naturally. I don't even think he knows what he's doing. I mean, there for a while, how was I winning fights? I was thinking to myself, winning through a candlelight when I closed my eyes as I sit in the shower before I perform, and it worked. And I didn't know why, and, and, and but after studying the mind and how it works, and uh, you know, you start to be educated on those types of things. I don't even think he knows what he does, but his family has installed such great mental strength in that guy that, you know, Gaethje's one of those guys, I don't fear him losing at all. I think it's going to be experience. It's only going to better him. So, you know, it's, it's it, you know, stepping up to the big shows is one thing. But one thing that Gaethje does the best is he goes out there and he enjoys the fight. He's one of those guys that, uh, uh, you know, everybody says it looks easy when you see a guy from the outside and then you get in there with them and it's someone that pushes your heart right to that, to that limit. He's a guy who breaks people. And... It's, he's not going to go out there with this this flashy, you know, uh, stuff. I mean, every time he hits you, he's hitting you 100%. He's in front of you. He's never giving you space to think, and it's always about who's leading the dance. When it comes to women and men, men are the leaders in dancing. So uh, it's the same thing in fighting. Who is leading the dance? Who is staying in control? And it's in, who's in control of their self? 
you want to take them out of their comfort zone. And that's one thing with the style of Justin Gaethje. He takes people out of their comfort zone. You know, it's funny that you use that exact phrase because I, I was thinking about a question I was going to ask you, and it was the exact same thing. Um, I'm sure you know, you've heard of Michael Irvin, Dallas Cowboy, former receiver. He always had this approach, and he says, like, you attack a man's strength to, we to beat him, and you attack their strength to break him. And from what I've seen from Justin, like a lot of people say his defense is wide open. I don't think his defense is wide open as people think it is. I think it's a little tighter and a little cleaner. I think he rolls with a lot of stuff. He gets away from a lot of stuff, gets under a lot of stuff, and it just looks that way because of the nature of how much offense he's putting out in the rate of the fight. It looks like he's getting beat up a lot worse than he is. But it seems to me that when he wants to use a full array of skills, he could attack people's weaknesses and he could just have clear dominating wins. But it seems like he wants to challenge people at their strength and like you said, break them. And even though I know a loss can help you and a loss can benefit you, do you ever, you ever have a hard time walking that tightrope where it's like, I understand what you're trying to do but we're also trying to minimize the risk and we're trying to, you know, just get this win. You know, I would never, sure you, I would never, never change a style of a fighter. Taking them out of their comfort zone and their purpose and how they see things. Uh, what I got to do is I got to polish up what they're great at doing. You remember when De La Hoya went to Mayweather as a coach and Mayweather's one of the best boxing coaches out there, no doubt. And De La Hoya went downhill. Yeah, his right hand got better, but he got, he started getting hit with right hands all day. He was a squared up fighter and he's left-handed. So his left hand, uh, uh, controlled the fight and he put people out with his lead hand. So, you know, really being in a conventional stance and having the power hand of the dominant hand and he did that from, from the time he started is what made him who he was. Once he started laying back and pointing the shoulder and, and, and sitting by behind the shoulder, I mean, yeah, his right hand got stronger, but it completely changed what he was doing. And again, when people are great and they're consistent, stay, with, stay consistent. Don't change things up. Don't become someone who you are because you're relearning again. The key with Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje needs to be in the pocket. If he was to fight like Rose and I was to teach him like Rose, he would not be he'd perform well. He'd be hit a lot cleaner. He'd be hit up when he's standing up tall where he's not based that can take the shot. And, uh, you know, his purpose is, is entertaining fights. Like He always tells people in his interview that someone's going to knock me out. And I'm okay with it. I can't wait till someone knocks me out. Uh, he does not fear losing. And... He is a guy who's going to get in there and he's going to put on exciting fights and that's what his purpose is, is to go out there and entertain the fans and he's one of the most, I mean, he, he's not called the highlight for nothing. I mean, even in conversation talking to him, he's so high energy. He's the highlight in everything he does. But, uh, you know, I, I again, through my consistency and for how long I've been doing this, the one thing that stands out with me is never try to make someone who they're not. So let me, that actually kind of kind of segues into this next question I had, I was thinking of. When you look at the entire bevy of men and women that you've worked with, and this may be a, kind of a tough question, who do you think was the most difficult to coach, if, if you want to say? Like, do you have someone that kind of stands out on your mind? Like, you know, that was a very difficult person to coach throughout their career, to coach them towards uh, success. And also on the other side of that, who was the easiest person to coach? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, there's there's a long, long list of, of people who I've worked with who were hard to coach. And again, it was it was because they were uncoachable. They already knew it. So, so many guys go in there and they already know it, you know. They, uh, uh, when you know it, you, you don't know what you don't know, you know. Uh, so, I mean, there's a long list. I've trained many, many athletes and uh, I mean, that, that list goes on. I'll say, I'll say it's probably in the 70s percent range 
of fighters I've worked with have, have been like, they're, 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 worst, they're their worst enemy. And when it comes to people who I love to work with, I mean, the, the people who I'm working with right now, I enjoy to work with. They're, it's not babysitting for me. I don't have to worry about going home and being a father and calling them up and seeing what they're doing at nine o'clock at night. I don't have to do that. And I don't have time to do that at the moment. Again, coaching right now is a hobby for me. I've hit every goal and I, I'm coaching people because it's natural for me. And uh, I'm, I'm coaching people who, who really want it and are coaching. Is it better that way for you? Like a lot of these coaches, I think, I think I was talking when we had Stephen Wright on the show, he goes, a lot of coaches get angry. And we were talking about how a lot of coaches take the losses personally. Like it reflects on them as a coach. And you know, it's not, let me jump in there real quick because that's a, that, and I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, it's a, you have to t uh, get pissed off. If, if things are going out of your control and people are clearly not listening to you, it was Anthony Johnson and uh, 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 Henry Hoof, Henry Hoof, a world-class trainer, clearly telling him what he needs to do in there and he's not listening, but it's easier said than done when they're in there. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, you win as a, as a team and you lose as a team. The thing is, is you've got to re re regroup every time after a scenario happens and find out if, you, are you guys a fit? Should you guys continue to work together? If someone, you know, they, he ended up retiring, but from that point, you have to say, hey, man, if you're not going to listen to me, why am I here? Same thing I told Roy Nelson in, the, you know, the season 10 of The Ultimate Fighter. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm here to help you, man. If you want help, then I'm here. But if not, you can carry your own damn water bottle. It's uh, uh, the thing is, is where you have to care about it. a coach has to care about that athlete so freaking much that, you know, you, you want things to work. And if you care about someone, you're going to be honest with them. You're going to tell them what you feel. And, you know, if they're getting pissed off because they're not listening and they're going to work with them again, then you're, you're, you're pissed off at yourself for not being able to, to handle that situation and put that fire out and see if you guys can work together. Because if you're not working coherently together, then you guys both be pissed at each other. Well, yeah, but in your position, and that's what I was saying, in your position, you've accomplished all the goals you wanted. You've done the super camps. You've done the world titles. You've done championships in different disciplines. And like you said, now it's more of a a, a passion, like a hobby. It's something that you're doing because you just want to be involved in, the, in the combat sports. But with a lot of these guys, they're trying to build gyms. They're trying to expand their brand, you know, the branding thing. So it's like, I wonder how much of the perspective is your perspective and how much is it the position you're at right now that allows you to have that perspective, if you understand what You I'm know, saying. right now, I, I love what I'm doing. Not owning a gym, not having to push that brand of a gym, not having to conflict with other gyms. One of my biggest pet peeves in this sport is how in any other sport that you play, let's, let's pick NFL, you're, you're training together as a team. you got the head coach there, you got the defensive coach, the – the, the, the offensive coach, you've got every coach there together, working together. I do not understand how MMA still has people training at different times in different places. And all coaches are on the same page if they, they want the best for the athlete. So once you get a contract signed, you've got jiu-jitsu coaches pushing this athlete as hard as he can. Then he goes over to the strength and conditioning coaches somewhere else and pushing him as hard as he can. Comes over to a striking coach and push him as hard as he can. The, that's the biggest stick in the wheel that I've seen in this sport is – there's, there's, it's, it's still ran at so, you know, old school. 
I mean, you got to put everything together. Everybody should be working together. So you'll see a lot of the super gyms where all coaches on staff. That's why they're successful because everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what part of the body is hurting on the person. Everybody knows where the mental state of the fighter is at. These guys ain't traveling four hours a day and lacking on rest. One of them, my biggest pet peeves in the sport is lack of, uh, of rest and overtraining because they're working with so many different people. There's, you're hearing different philosophies from everybody, and there's no one hearing what they're saying over here or hearing what they're saying over there. Again, it's sporadic. And how are you going to guide someone if no one, if no one is on the same page? So you feel you feel it's almost like no. I love what I do now. I I, I chose to. Ch I, I'm a one man army, and we have other coaches that come in, but I'm always there with the coaches, and we all work together. If we have people who need to work at different times at different spots, and we don't work uh, well together, I won't. I won't do it. So you have it's like you you have that freedom because it seems like and I'm not. Enough. It seems like a conflict of interest when you have like, you know, the jujitsu coach with his own gym and everybody with their own gym. Totally. Their own thing, 100 percent. That, that, that right there, when it comes to all different gyms working together, it is completely conflicting interest. No doubt. The one thing that it comes to being successful as a coach is it is 100 percent not about you. Yeah. That, that, and, you know, it's weird because you're saying this and like um, one of my good friends and a guy I do some work with, King Mo, like when we're having these discussions. He's most freaking awesome. I love that guy. Yeah, dude, he's he's hilarious. We'll like we'll set up. He'll he'll have me talking to all his coaches, and he's like, I want all y'all in this kind of group chat so we can all go over ideas. I want everybody to see what everybody's saying, so we can like point counterpoint, argue your point after the fight. We can review and go back and like, well, you know, so and so said this, and I should listen to this. He's real. He's really methodical. He's really technical. He's really he's just a really smart guy. But um. It's weird to me because you've said this and he said this, but it seems like a lot of gyms, when I've been to other gyms and I've talked to fighters, it's like they're still doing it the other way. And I'm like, how do you, like like you said, how do you have any consistency? How do you all focus on a game plan when everybody's pointing to a different thing? You're This person's saying sprawl and brawl. This person's saying force to scramble and submit them. This person's saying work really? and go. So it's, it's medieval times when it comes to training from such an elite sport and such a sport that is growing worldwide so fast. It is, it is, uh, it's crazy to me that these, this is a professional sport and people aren't taking on what what professional organizations are doing from NBA, NFL. I mean, it's, you play as a team and every coach is on staff. Everybody is held accountable. When, when you guys lose, everybody loses together. When you win, everybody wins together. And that's the, that's a, again, it's a, the one thing that I loved about boxing is it, I did everything with that athlete. I ran with them. I, I made meals for them. They stayed at my house through the training camps. It was it was one on one with that person all the time. Well, do you think that's because of the financial investment? Because in boxing, like let's say you're an amateur, you come out and you get time to a promotion. They put a financial investment into you. They're like giving you money, maybe setting you up with a place to live. Like they've invested money in you. Whereas when you're joining a gym, you're investing money in them. Like if you Ooh. quit the gym, you don't. There's not until you, until you, until you reach a certain level. There's they don't lose anything from losing you. So there's no reason to really put it all together. NFL teams, investment, baseball, investment, basketball, investment, boxing, investment, MMA. The only person doing the invest in, investing is the actual fighter. Nobody brings a fighter to a gym and signs into a contract and sets up a place to live and does all these things for him unless you're like a top-end. I'll tell you who, who, who invests is the fight gym owners, not the, not the, not the, uh, not the, the you know, places that are money makers. A fight gym never makes money. I've never made money in a fight gym, ever. It's a fight gym is, is where you invest time in athletes because you believe in them and you think they'll, they'll make it and your time is invested. And 
if, if you set up a deal doing 5%, 10%, whatever your deal is, that's from the first fight on. You don't say, hey, you pay me $1,000 or buy privates from me. You, you invest your time into that athlete. So it's an investment. So there is investment through certain people who are out there. And there's many people out there who, again, don't care about that process. They care about winning. They care about the performance of going forward and getting to those des destinations and goals. And there's, again, the successful people out there, guarantee you they're not making tons of money when it comes to coaches. So what is, what is it that's needed for professional fighters, MMA athletes, to, to I, I always say that I don't think every mixed martial artist takes themselves as a professional athlete, that they look at themselves differently. They don't look at themselves quite the way that um, a, like, you know, we have that situation going on with um, LeVar Bell in the NBA or an Alex Rodriguez did in Major League Baseball. They knew their value and they fought for their value from day one. What is needed for mixed martial artists to begin doing the same thing instead of putting themselves in position where promotions have the power? Well, the key is just, I mean, it's just, it's just length. I mean, it's getting closer. I mean, it's, uh, it's getting to the point. I mean, fighters are starting to make a lot more money. I mean, I, I come from the boxing world and I'm an average MMA fighters weight to make a lot more than boxers. And when you look at the elite, like a Conor McGregor is an elite in MMA, when I'm talking about elite and paycheck, uh, he's an elite getting paid, uh, in boxing, there's very few elites that make tons of money. And if you're fighting on ESPN, you're fighting for 30 grand in a main event. So uh, it's it's one of those things that on the average, MMA makes a lot more money. So it's, uh, you, you look at boxing, boxing, yeah, you get set up for a fee, there's not a win and a lose, but uh, uh, I mean, you, you, you don't fight for much in boxing at all. So I, I feel like MMA athletes do make good, but again, can, can Making that consistent with other sports, yeah, they don't get paid nothing. I just wonder at what point will it? If, if that makes sense, I mean, if that makes sense, I mean, it's I, on a comparison to to the, the boxing world, the people look at uh, how boxing is paid. Yeah, and, uh, the big big money fighters, those guys make tons of money. But uh, in true athletics, I mean, combat sports is something that's chosen through challenging yourself and one on one. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things, and if you think you're going to be great and you believe you're going to be great, you will make a great, great earning. But again, this, this is you got to love this. You can take Daishiki out the hood, but you can't take the hood out of Daishiki. That's why fighters continue to fight for the money that they do. It's a passion. It's a, it's a way of life. It's a philosophy. Fighting is in you, and it's in you. So essentially, it comes down to like where promotions. I don't want to say take advantage of fighters because all these people, a lot of fighters, are very intelligent. They're they're very self aware. But they know these guys want to fight, and they don't have to well, pay them a lot of money to fight, so they just take advantage of that, to a degree. Yeah. So there's, if you if you don't want to fight for that amount of money, the next guy in line will. Well, again, I mean, it's uh, you look at the UFC. UFC brings tons of value. Really, I mean, you can open a gym when you're done. If you're fighting for Bellator and you try to open a gym, compared to having a background in the UFC, guaranteed the guy with the UFC gym is going to be a lot more successful. So there's a lot more value that comes into that. You also put it put on TV all the time, so you can take on other things. When I look at fighting, fighting is such a short career. Uh, it's what are you doing uh, uh, with fighting that's going to benefit you in life. You can't fight for a whole whole period of life, but the, you know Mike Tyson is doing great for himself right now, doing other things because of what he did as a fighter. Is that so part again, of the, is that part people of the, who fight for the daily paycheck, I mean, again, you, you, you can't focus on one well for water. Once that well runs out, what are you going to do? So, again, you've got to be grateful for what's at the present moment and focus on all values. 
one of the great thing about fighting is, man, you 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 get to live a lifestyle where you get to be around your kids a lot, and yeah, your your family life might hurt a little bit when you're in contract for those short periods of times so you get the short fuse. But again, that benefit of what you're doing, what is value? Value to me, one of the most important values is time. Are you doing something that you love? Are you you know, it's a, is is it making you a better person? Uh, I mean, you see a lot of people who, especially like in the boxing world, who stop fighting, and they end up going to jail, or because they 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 got that active mind and they got to do something to release. And there's so many values that come with the sport of fighting. I mean, I would not be where I'm at without fighting. I mean, I would have been locked up, shot dead, stupid, doing stupid things. Fighting taught me so much about myself. It taught me to listen to myself and no, and no one else. When I was listening to others, I was never successful. I was, doing every, I was doing all the wrong things because they were telling me to. When he told you bad, you told you're never going to mount to nothing, you won't mount to nothing. One thing about fighting is when you're in there, no one can help you. So, you know, it's the, it's the character that you're, you, you do going through the aspect of fighting is, brings so much value. You know, the people who sit, sit around and they bitch about the money and they need to get paid more, and they're saying, well, Connor's making this. I mean, Connor's selling himself, and he's bringing a huge fan base, and it's great for the sport. And again, what UFC has done for MMA and the sport, I mean, you have to give them credit for what they've done. You know, the key is going out there and performing, and, and, and if you want to make money and your purpose is to make money, how are you going to use fighting to make money? Uh, to make money? And it's not just in the cage. There's so many different avenues. De La Hoya is a great promoter now. You know, it's uh, after he's done fighting. So what are you doing in purpose of life? You can't just focus on one area. Where's your balance? If you're focused just on a career sense, your family life's going to go down. Your faith and belief in life or spirituality, if you have it, is going to fall. You have to balance out what you're doing. And when people are, are, are focused on something, you know, when you have tons of money, there's nothing worse than losing it. You know, again, balance. Money and money will money will break you down. And again, people who are chasing just that value, they start fighting for the money. And when they started to fight as an amateur, they weren't even thinking about being professional. They're fighting as an amateur because they loved it. So basically, if you come out of fighting a worse person, you've been doing it wrong, essentially. Totally. And it does it to so many people because they start doing it for the wrong reasons. They get mad at the world because the critics and people talking bad about them. Critics, I mean, if there are people that don't know you, you got to know who you're listening to. And if you know how to take criticism, then it's one of the best things in the world because you'll grow from it. Anderson Silva is a key example to that when he had lost the wide man. Then he came out and looked like he was a, he looked like Machida in there. Hands were so high because everybody was saying he fought arrogantly, fought with his hands down. That's what made him who he was. He listened to the critics and was brainwashed because everybody thought he was being arrogant. So what he did, he listened to the fans. He listened to, to people who were writing to how, how he should fight. He came out and looked even worse in the second fight. Hmm. So know yourself. Self-image is key. Be strong in who you are. And again, that's the number one thing is, 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 you know, be true to yourself. True to yourself will bring happiness. Who are some men and women fighters, in your opinion, who have done it right? Uh, George St. Pierre is a key. George St. Pierre to retire on his own will uh, uh, through, after, after a win. You know, how many people, you know, retire on, on a win? You know, uh, uh, Kalzaki, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's, uh, it's one of the hardest things to do, but they're okay with themselves. They don't have to keep proving themselves. Uh, but what happens when someone loses? They can't retire until they get that win back. I mean, that's craziness. Do you th um, who do you think of someone that may have done it wrong, per se? Uh, I mean, there's, the list goes on and on and on. You know, again, fight, who are you fighting for? 
again, it's it's it goes back to that sense of of the entertainment value. People love entertainment. They love the feeling. It's a high of what they get for for the the label they get put on. They get this crown of oh, I'm a king. And again, we're all unique in a certain way. So don't, don't, you can't you can't put yourself above anybody in that sense. Outside of you, if you challenge yourself to be the best you, that's what makes greatness. That's what makes one person stand out so much different than anybody else. Is the belief in themselves of who they are and strength in who they are to be unique. Like the things you're saying, it it, it carries a lot of weight. I ha I have three daughters. I have four daughters, three or fourteen year olds, and I have conversations with them like this. And it, and the stuff you're saying is very important. It carries a lot of weight, especially to me because I'm a high. I'm a, I'm I'm a person who focuses on being a good person, making a difference, bettering yourself to help serve others. But in a sport like mixed martial arts or any sport at all, even in business. It's hard. It's hard for people not to get caught up in that because you're being compared to this other person. Like you could be the best person you could be as a fighter, but then you see Conor McGregor doing whatever he's doing, and it's hard for that fighter to not be influenced by that because at the end of the day, some of these guys, that's all they do. They don't have other jobs. They don't have other vocations. This is it. So if this isn't working for them. This is what they put the time in. It affects their performance. It affects their training. It affects it affects all their mental aspects, like you were talking about earlier, which eventually hurts the product they produce in the cage. You know, it's the the thing what made Connor who he is. He did it so differently. He's not outside the box. He did it his way. He did it in his own vision. He he picked the future, and everybody's like, "Oh man, he's calling the future." He did it his way. He put pressure on himself. He goes out there and challenges every fighter. He did it so differently. He did went against everybody, and then everybody wants to come out and start acting like him. Again, there's always going to be followers. The key is. Look at everybody. See what you like about McGregor and use that. And then find out what you like about this fighter and use that. And find out what you you got to find who you are. I, I, I'll never forget the, the rant that Tyson goes on. He starts naming off all these fighters and uh, that little rant he did after the thing. I mean, that just shows how many fighters he studied and how many different styles he put together when he was up in custom models at it, watching videos. It's, uh, again, great people know how to take things that they like and adapt it to who they are. That's their style. That's their, their, how they see themselves. Conor McGregor's got one of the strongest self-images when it comes to that. But again, everybody's purpose is different. What are you chasing? Some people want to be million. If you want to be a millionaire, put yourself around five millionaires. You're going to get their connections. You're going to learn how they talk. You're going to you're going to learn that process. If you want to be corrupt and and and, and go down that lifestyle, and, or why do so many people get let let out of prison and they go right back because that's what they're they're used to that. They're adapted to that. And again, you've got to. It's that's why for me. Opinions, there's so many opinions and everybody talks about opinions and opinions and opinions. The key is you got to listen to facts and everybody has a different way of seeing things and, and thinking things and perspective. When you ask someone, you say, hey man, I'm going to I'm gonna go be a world champion and they're like, you're never going to be a world champion. And that, they're saying what they think, what they if they were to fight. You know, the key is if you see it, you believe it, you go and do it. And, and not, let nothing hold you back and be true to yourself. But when you start adapting and changing things because of others and and they have no credibility when it comes to that. If you want to be great at something and you want to be good, go get the best mentor for that. And they've done it. They have to have proof that they have done it. Don't listen to people who haven't done it. What's interesting, you know, when you say that, I don't, I don't like talking about my own personal story too much. But it's funny that, that you mentioned that because when I first told my two two of my brothers that I wanted to fight MMA, they both laughed at me. And it's funny because these are two relationships I've had for 
we've been friends almost 20 some odd years now to this point and back then they both laughed at me now it took a while but i fought twice since then and you know that their whole the whole mentality towards that has completely changed so yeah you're you're totally right you know i do think that fighters do need to have that personal investment in, in, in themselves where they understand that this is something that that people aren't everyone's not going to understand what you're doing but as long as they have that personal investment they, and, and get that something whatever that it is out of it at the end then they're headed down the right path totally and again that's where you get if you can take criticism and don't get offended by it that's key if you get offended by something it's, it's your it's your uh, you're just showing what you can handle and what you can't handle. If you're getting offended about it, that's your weakness. You should mm -hmm. be able to anybody and not get offended by what's going on. So one of the best fuels that I ever used was people telling me I couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it. My father telling me that I could never be successful as a boxing coach after I was done fighting because I was the nice guy, and that's the mafia of all sports, and, and, and you've got to be brutal in that sport, and you've got to be you're rough and tough. What I do, I smiled harder. I'm known for my smile. I did it so differently. I went out there, and I gave everybody a thumbs up right before we were facing them. And, you know, it worked out to be beneficial, you know, because I think people were like, what did this guy know that I didn't know? Uh, I remember Vernal Phillips, we were fighting uh, uh, Shibata Flores, and he asked me, he was, you know, he's from Brooklyn, and he's like, yo, T, you got to be gangster, bro. We in the fight. And I've already coached him for 10 fights. And then, so funny, after the fight, we won the fight. But after the fight, he's like, yeah, T, go back to your smiling self, because that was me. He, I was a, it was a totally different thing. For me, you have to be true to yourself. I, I stand out because of my smile and that, that, that what that is. And again, I was doing that to show someone that I could do it my way. It was, when someone tells you you can't, you can either use it as fuel and, and, and make it benefit you, but you have to critique it and say, no, no, I, I see it. I can do it. I can do it. And that's the key. The whole thing is, is you just got to know you can get there. And the faith, you got faith or fear. I left or right, and you turn it around as the opposite left or right to me. Perspective is key. You've got to see it your way. And if someone says something, you're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I understand it. Let me gauge that. Let me think it. Or you can say, hey, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't know the way I'm thinking about it. Well, that's you know, anybody who would see Conor McGregor prior to him making tons of money would say he's doing the stupidest thing. He's calling people out. The worst way to do it. And it's been so beneficial. Who would say he would ever even get a fight with, with Mayweather? Uh, you know, the fight probably won't go through, but it, again, how close it has gotten and he's gotten Mayweather to respond to it, man, he's mentally strong and he knows what he's searching for. And anybody who would say this three years ago would laugh in his face. Anybody, anybody, I would laugh in his face because I didn't know what he was seeing. And again, our perspective is, is, is you don't, don't, that's why when it comes to judgmental and opinions, just because it doesn't work this way, there's still a way you can make this work. And that's where that, that power and belief and power and purpose is so important. Burning desire will take you anywhere. Uh, you know, it's, I ask this question to so many people, almost uh, any time that I'm about to work with an athlete, the first thing I'll say, I'll say, if someone's going to break in your house and, and attack your kids, are you going to win that fight? And they say, yes. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no, there's no chance that they could say they're going to the answer is instant. Now, when we start adding the doubt, is oh, how much? If, if I were to say that to someone, say, "Hey, someone's breaking in your house right now, and he's going to attack your kids. What are you going to do? You can win that fight." And they're like, "Well, what weight is he? Is he a left-hander? Is he a right-hander? I mean, how good is his jujitsu?" You know, the key is is winning, and uh, is 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 a decision, and you got to know you can get it and go get it. And the hesitation through doubt and all the, the, the distractions that pop in front of you 
if you overassess those things, you need to assess them. But if you overassess them, and that's all you're focused on, you're going to fight with that. You got to know that you're just daily chopping away, chop away a little bit at each piece that I'm getting a little better at this moment, and you'll grow and become what you want to be. But that, well, that's the difference. That's the thing to stand out when I when I've heard interviews for you. Is one is another reason I was such a fan of yours as a coach because. Like, you know, now that they have Twitter, you can talk to coaches, you can talk to fighters. And it's very funny to me when you talk to a coach and, and you like you pick their fighter and you, get, you you talk about the positives about their fighter. It's like, oh, you're very knowledgeable. Oh, you're blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then the minute someone loses and you point out that same factual stuff, then people get real defensive. Like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're seeing. And unlike that, unlike most coaches and even some fighters I've talked to, you're very open with it. When I talked about the Esparza thing, it wasn't like you didn't get defensive. You weren't like trying to push back and like, wait a minute, don't bring that up. Cause I've had, I've talked to people who are like, well, I don't want to be on, I don't want to be on y'all show because you mentioned this in an article about my fighter losing, or you mentioned that I made a mistake in coaching. And to me, it's like, I don't see how that bothers you. You're where you're at. How are you that thrown off by somebody who's, who's, who's a fan of what you're doing. And you're not like that. Your thing is you have to look at what's being said and ask yourself, is it true? And if you don't think it's true or you don't feel it has value, then you move forward. But you have to address what's being said. You can't ignore it and you can't just shoot it down because it's not what you like to hear. And I see and I think in a lot of fighters and coaches, that's that's a lot of what happens. That's why guys plateau because they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they really need to work on their ground game. They don't want to hear that, you know, maybe they've hit a they've hit a wall at this gym and they might need to, you know, switch something up. Not because that's the answer but they they haven't even considered that they haven't even considered any other option it's just i'm going to keep doing what i'm doing and sometimes an adjustment has to be made you have to make that analysis and that's that's something i really admire about you as a coach and as a person you know it's uh i've been doing this for a long period of time but i'm so green and the, the thing is is i'm so excited and i'm so uh i got so much anticipation to, to continue to learn and grow and 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 educate myself even more like it's again uh, I, I had my son do something with the truck, and it was so funny. He was telling me how he had uh, been to the front and bent uh, the rim, and he was talking to me about, you know, he was up four wheel and hit this stick, and I went, and, and me being the funny guy, and I went and grabbed this little stick and brought it over to the tire, and I was like, so you telling me a little stick? It's funny. I was doing the same thing at his age. It's, uh, it's, it's where you're at in your life, and be okay at the stage that you're at. You know, it's, uh, you know, I... I will never say I'm the best coach in the world. There's no way I am. There's no, there's no way I could ever be. Uh, uh, I can never do anything perfect because you can't. You can't perfect things because everything's always growing. You know, it's uh, uh, you can't stand still. You have to continue to move forward and continue to grow. And the excitement to want to grow and be better and be humble with where you're at. I mean, that's what makes this whole process so fun and so enjoyable. So. I mean, again, I never take it as, as criticism, and I never take it as a bad thing. I mean, uh, uh, us losing to Carlos Esparza, for me as a coach, that was, you know, uh, for me to say that was 100% my fault is 100% true. And it was one of the best experiences that I've ever went through because of how I adapted to it. It sucked going through it, and I cried, and I was pissed at myself, and I argued with myself in my head, and, you know, I was beating myself up. And, you know, I was scolding myself, and without me scolding myself, I wouldn't have gotten, uh, uh, wouldn't have adapted, and Rose wouldn't be where she's at if I was, oh, Rose, you, you, I don't know what happened to you, and put the blame on her. So, again, it's one of those things that you have to be okay with just being where you're at at the moment, you know? It's a, if a tornado comes through your town, wipes at your house, I mean, 
it's past. You can't sit there and, and cry about it. Just start rebuilding. So, are, are you, so speaking of, once again, to bring this back to Rose, has uh, the UFC got back to y'all at all? Is it going to be y'all going to do what a lot of people do and try to sit it out, or y'all just going to keep on trucking and see what happens? Because, you know, you know right it's now, a, we wait for the call. That's, that, that's, that's the one thing. And we can only control ourselves. And uh, uh, so we'll wait and, and see what they have in line for us. So, you know, whatever they want us to do from that point, you, you, you will take it. So we're not going to really call out there and you know ask for something. I, I really uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of those types of things. I think that's selling the fight and the promoter. That's a promoter's job, uh, unless a fighter is really trying to sell himself and get those types of things. You know that's that's really up to the fighter. I'd never really try to tell them to do a certain thing that way. But uh, you know I, I I think Rose will will stay consistent in the gym like we've been doing, and uh, and we'll just wait for the call and be ready for that opportunity. I have a personal question. I've yep. never met this, I've never met this guy in person. I've never talked to him on Twitter. I've never had any any action. But he seems like he is freaking crazy and fun to be around all the time. I hear so many stories from fighters about him. Pat Berry, what is this man like on a day to day basis? Is he as funny and entertaining as people tell me he is? One hundred percent. Pat is awesome. Pat's a, Pat's a giver, and uh, he cares so much. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Sometimes he cares too much. You know, it's uh, he's he's high energy, and I love high energy. I, I love people. Yeah, my mom. My mom's like a ca the most casual MMA fan ever. She stand up to her. She saw the Liz Carmouche fight where she fought Marlos Kunin, and Marlos had that come from behind submission. So from that yeah. point on, Marlos Kunin was like her favorite female fighter, no matter what. Like you know, my mom was like Ronda Rousey. She can't be Marlos, and I'm like, Mom, you're a little bit out of it, but okay. <laughs> you're a little bit out of it, okay. And Pat Barry, she's like, you know what? He seems like the kind of guy who'd be a good son to have. And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting right here. Mom. <laughs> I'm sitting right next to you, and you tell me this man is the kind of son you like to have. Awesome. I know. I was like, you know, I'm. No, man, you, I, I feel bad for you. Your mom doing that to you. So, so for so for a while, even though Pat didn't know, me and him had beef. He didn't know this, but me and him had beef for a while. But since then, she's come back to her senses, and we're 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 cool again. But for a while, me and Pat, we had problems. He just didn't know we had problems. Had <laughs> That's problems. awesome. Lucky I didn't come up in the UFC like, yo, man, what's up? You stealing my mom from me? What's up, homie? <laughs> you know, I'll fight you for this, dude. I don't care. I don't care. You <laughs> yeah, I will fight and die. You got to fight for family values. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. So, with that in mind, you know, we've talked about boxing uh, a few times during the show tonight. We got a big fight coming up this weekend. What are some of your fights, uh, thoughts on the Canelo um, fight coming up on Saturday? You know, it's... Uh, I, I like Canelo. I think Canelo's uh, consistent in there. Uh, uh, I mean, it's to one of those things is I hate to predict fights. Again, I don't know what's going on in the person's life. That's that's a huge, huge thing. You need to know what's going on uh, in a fighter's life to know where they're at. And uh, you know, it's uh, I'm a fight fan at first, so you know, I'm on. I'm, I'm hoping for a great fight, and I don't want either either certain person to win. I'm not a fan that way. I don't try to choose people. Uh, that way, I look. I look as is. I like excitement. I like uh, 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 overcoming obstacles. One of my favorite fights was was Mayweather overcoming the obstacle with Mosley when he got rocked, uh, and the way he overcame it. I mean, it's it's those things in the, in the fight game. You, there's so many things that can be so different than the way you thought it was going to be, and that's what makes it so exciting. That's why I'm always a fan first. I just uh, look forward to a great fight. 
you know, I've always thought about boxing, and you see it over and over. Like, people ask me, like, why I think sometimes boxing can be more difficult than MMA. I'm like, in MMA, when you get knocked down, someone jumps right on you, kind of defend or fight right back. In boxing, you get an eight count, and they ask you, do you want to continue? Look at yourself and be, be like, do I really want to take more of this punishment? Especially if you're getting beat up bad. That's for them to stop the action and give you an out. There. I mean, there's always a chance you can win, but when you've been taking it for two or three rounds and you're getting rocked and you got dropped again and they're saying, do you want to keep continue? Because a lot of the refs do that. Now they're like, do you want to fight? You know, that that takes a lot of courage to say, hey, I want to get right back in there. Totally. And that's, that's the key. The key right there is having a great team. A great team will, will, will have the best interest of the fighter and, and, and notice, is this going to help them get to their final goal? So... It's, uh, you know, when it comes to boxing, you see a lot of people throwing in the towel. It's kind of non-heard of in the MMA world, people throwing in the towel. And uh, the key is, is you got to have people who care about you and understand when you're not at your right point and uh, uh, know how to do that for you. Oh, yeah. I, I, I talked to a lot. I have a friend whose dad used to coach boxing. When someone else is taking the punches. Like he ain't hurting us, and it's like, nah, he's really getting hurt. You should, you should probably think about stopping this. But you know, nobody wants to stop, and nobody wants to, you know. You start seeing the coaches like, we're not quitters, we're not cowards, and it's like, you know, this is still a combat sport. Someone's life could be in jeopardy here at any moment. Mm-hmm. You have to think about the long-term effects for that fighter moving forward, not just as a fighter, but as a human being. Totally. I mean, and the tough part in MMA is if you stop the fight, it's uh, you know, they don't get their win uh, money, so it's uh, it's even tougher in MMA to do it. And, oh, yeah, speaking about one more thing about boxing, what did you think about that fight, Klitschko? I was I was really impressed. I know Joshua was a big hitter, but Klitschko's chin really held up for the yeah. majority yeah. of He was taking a lot of big shots. He was he taking a lot of big shots. Yeah, I agree. He did, he did very good. He did some big right hands prior to that. But, yeah, he, it, was a, it was a great fight. It was a great fight for boxing. Boxing is... You know, the cool thing about McGregor coming back and doing the things is, is put some light on boxing. You know, it's a boxing is a complete different sport than MMA, and I love all combat sports. Uh, uh, they're, they're both unique in their ways. I think uh, the issue with boxing going downhill is, uh, uh, I know we weren't talking about this subject, but it's something I want to speak about. Uh, I feel like boxing goes downhill because of the matchmakers and the promoters. Yeah, I yeah high level fights like that, competitive fights like that that are put on, I think that's what what makes boxing hot. And uh, when you have so many world titles and so many different sanctioning bodies and 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 so many promoters that uh, when you're when you're the promoter's guy, they're bringing in guys stylistically that you should beat and you should you should deal with pretty easy because that's the, the the money maker. That's the that's the promoter's guy. So having all the different promotions and stuff like that, it's a, it's a it kind of puts a stick into the performance and. Uh, uh, you know, you get more padded records, you get you know, more undefeated records. When it comes to, like, uh, MMA, you know, you, a loss doesn't hurt you. It's, it's not like in boxing. One loss will really hurt a fighter in boxing. And, uh, you know, it's the matchmaking what makes uh, MMA so exciting at this moment so that heavyweight fight was great for boxing. Well, you know, Trevor, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Um, like I said, I've been a fan for, like, a long time. I've been a huge fan. I've, I've hit you up on Twitter a couple times. I'm like underappreciated most underrated coach in mma i'm always it's usually two or three guys and you're always at the top of that list i really admire your work with uh rose and uh i had to look i had to watch justin a couple times before i re- really started noticing those defensive maneuvers 
you had worked with them to where I noticed how sharp he was defensively. So it even took me a couple watches where I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, he ain't getting hit like I thought he was. So work. I love the perspective and the passion you have for the combat sports and for your fighters. And I want to thank you for being on our show. You know, you did a great job. We're very thankful to have you on there, myself and Raphael. And, um, you know, anytime you want to come back on the show, you know, you just let me know. You, you can come on anytime because we were huge fans of you. Sounds good. I appreciate it, man. It was fun. Yeah, we definitely uh, appreciate you having, uh, taking time to come on. Thank you, Raphael. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Tell Pat we're cool now. See you. All right. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody. And um, thank you for joining in on our show today. Uh, definitely be sure to like and share our content. Um, again, we always appreciate you listening to us on YouTube. You can hit the like button at the bottom, share us on Facebook, Twitter, and everywhere else. Um, be sure to catch us this week because Sean has put some good pieces together. Um, I actually just worked on one for the UFC women's flyweight division that was mistakenly announced a couple days ago. So, yeah, there's a lot of good content. Organization right there, huh? Say it again. I said, really professionally run organization right there, huh? Yeah, they, they definitely they let the cat out of the bag. So, uh, and then they try to take the and then they try to throw the cat out with the bag. So, you know, it is it's all good. It's all good. You know, we're gonna get 125 women fighting in the cage. Maybe we'll get that Joanna Jacek and and Valentina Shevchenko fight that everybody's been wanting to see. So you never know. Maybe Jessica Andrade can stop cutting so much amount of weight. And so like this is gonna be great, I think, because Both weight cutting is cut in half though. You do know that, right? Say the it again. Bottom, the both divisions, 35 and strawweight, are going to lose half their people going to, going to want to fight in the flyweight division. Like half of their divisions are gone now. I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad, a totally bad thing because a that would happen. B, um, I think that this is going to lead to the UFC kind of um, what's the word? Kind of taking um, Invicta. You know, they at least they have Invicta to continue bringing in new 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 talent over over the time um i'm not i'm not mad at this uh, yeah it's going to cut both of those um divisions in half but i, I think it'll be a good thing in the, like in the long run yeah uh, at first it's gonna be rough though i don't care what they tell me at first it's gonna be rough because everybody's gonna be they got like five or six named fighters in, in both divisions saying like oh hey you know i'm about to go check this out you know, we have the former champion of Strawway talking about, oh, they're having another division? I'm out. I so, mean, even the champion, Joanna's I, already talked about moving up. He's already spoken about that. I think it's a little, I think it's a little different for, for women because it's always been harder for them to make weight. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be so quick to kind of throw it out, throw that out there for them. Yeah. No, you're right. Can't argue that point. But yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you having on the show. Thank you for covering while I had to fix these technical difficulties on this end. So um, we got everything straightened out, and I think we had a great show today. Yeah, it was great. Trevor was Trevor's awesome, man. I, dude, he's very philosophical. All these coaches, you know, in the toughest sport where people think they're ultra manly and super macho, they're all like philosophical and mental and conceptual. <laughs> it's like. I, I think a lot of, a lot of people have the wrong impression impression of these guys. Look at from the outside in, they don't understand the kind of multi layered people they're dealing with. They're not just fighters. They're not just tough guys. They're guys with hearts, with minds, and a bigger sense of perspective about the world, not just about combat sports. And I'm glad we had a chance to let yet another coach come out and show that side of their sport. And uh, we will be having another coach again coming up very soon. So. Um, 
next interview, we're going to be have a, another special guest um, talking about uh, the UFC heavyweight champ coming up. So all the fans who like who like this content, like getting the inside scoop and the other side of the seeing the other side of things, make sure you come back next week. We got another good we got we got another good guest coming for you. Exactly. Thanks everybody. Have a great um have a great weekend. Be sure to check us out. We are on Stitcher, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, a couple other places as well. You can always catch the show on YouTube, catch us on MMA Ratings Net. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well in the same spot. As always, you know, my name is Rafael Garcia. You can follow me at rgarcia underscore sports. And this is Schwan Humes at the Black Jordan Breen. Um, definitely be sure to follow us, stay up on our content. Um, it's NBA playoff season, so I'm talking basketball all the time now, watching the Wizards play right now and hoping that they don't F around and lose the series. But that's another conversation for another day. So, um, Swan, I appreciate you, man. Uh, have a great week. Yeah, thank you, sir. You have a good one. Have a good one.